Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Behind the Mask Podcast Show, we sit down with Charlie Ward and talk about his decision to go on to the NBA even though he won the Heisman Trophy in 93. We also talk about his run-in with Michael Jordan at the rim. And last but not least, when is Florida State going to get back to winning? Just as we saw from the last podcast, I lost the bet to two-time Reds. So that's why now you need to come back and have redemption for your bet. For game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to another edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. I am your host, Takeo Spikes. And somewhere out there floating around, my co-host is coming in. What up, bro? What's good, family? How you doing, man? Plus size model, man. Like In the like building, Tucson Rays. You know what it is. What's happening? Everything That's good with you? Another day in paradise. I feel you, man. So we're going to jump right into it, though, without further ado, because we have a special guest. And uh, we're going to bring him in, man. He's he's very highly decorated when it comes to championships. The ninety. The 93 Maxwell Award and Davey O'Brien winner. Also, the Heisman winner. First round pick of the New York Knicks, Charlie Ward. Welcome to the Behind the Mask podcast show. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I know I'm trying to figure out how big time I am because you asked me to, to come on your show. And I know you guys are big time. So I'm definitely appreciating the love, uh, an opportunity to come on and speak with you guys. Man, we appreciate the time that you've given us because, like this, our roots run deep now. You're a Georgia boy from South Georgia. Correct. I'm from Georgia. And I was inspired, especially after just seeing you, your story, going through Florida State, 93, that was the championship season. And the thing that I remember most about that season, man, was um, it was when y'all played Notre Dame at home. And everybody was anticipating, okay, you get through that game, it's a shoe-in, that you'll go be in the national championship, but you guys lost. And I remember seeing the receiver, I think, what, Matt Fryer? Right. And uh, he was crying, telling the voters back then, look, we got to – you guys got to give us a chance. And, and you guys ran the table after that. But I appreciate that inspiration, man. You You really did a lot not only just for everybody in the nation, but especially the young black kids, all the kids in Georgia? Uh, well, actually, we played that game on the road. And, of course, Notre Dame uh, didn't cut the grass that week, and they wet the grass before we got there. <laughs> so we had some issues that we had to work through early on. Uh, but it was, a, it was a, one of those games, very competitive uh, for most of the game. And one of your one of the top tier teams or top teams, you know, uh, in a competitive game, it comes down to turnovers, 
runs um, and those types of things. And so uh, we were, you know, a very good team, just like they were. And the game came down to the final drive. And in competitive games, uh, guys have to step up and make plays. And uh, we weren't able to step up and make a play at the end uh, where I, I threw the ball into the end zone uh, to work uh, that got knocked down. But, yes, Matt Fryer was sitting on the two-yard line. And if I could have gotten it to him, there's a possibility. But I was always taught that on the last play, you don't want to throw the ball short of the goal line. Uh, you want to try to get it into the end zone if you can. Right. Um, just so you give yourself a chance. And, you know, I, I did that. It didn't work out. Uh, but, yes, we were afforded the opportunity after we ran the table uh, against North Carolina State the next week. and then, But, of course, Notre Dame lost the following week to Boston College. And then we ended up beating uh, University of Florida mm-hmm. in the swamp when they had a 23-home game winning streak. And we were for the opportunity to play in the, uh, in the in the national championship Orange Bowl. One of the things that we always thought was during that time we had run off a lot a lot of uh, bowl wins, and it was you know if we could get into a national championship in a bowl game, we knew we had a chance to win a national championship, and we were blessed to be able to do that that year. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by your name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping... Help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Oh, yeah, that that y'all did, bro. But like what's mind boggling to me is. You win the Maxwell Award, Davey O'Brien for the best quarterback, the Heisman, the ultimate, and then you don't even get drafted in the NFL. Like, bro, what was that process like from on just on the mental side? Like, what were you going through? Uh, well, uh, this is one of the things when I go out and speak, um, I talk to people about how you have to make decisions and then you have to live with the consequences. And so the decision I made was I was going to keep my options open. Um, so I continued to play basketball my senior year. And when I did that, uh, that kind of eliminated the 1%, throwing my, all, all my eggs into the NFL basket out the window uh, because I want to keep my options open. And so I wasn't 1% committed to the NFL. And for me, you know, being a six-foot quarterback, uh, during that time, uh, I would I didn't really have the say so to be able to tell a front office guy that I if I didn't get drafted in the first round that I would consider my other options. As we know, that's a no no, um, and that's what I did. Uh, but I did go through some of the draft process uh, on campus, um, throwing um, pro day on campus. 
I did go to the second combine where they were doing injuries because I had an injury to my shoulder while playing basketball. And and so I did do those things, but I wasn't 100% committed. And so I knew that there was a chance that I wouldn't get drafted. That wouldn't happen during my time. You had to be 6'3 or 6'4, you know, 250 pounds or whatever it was and with a cannon arm and all those types of things uh, during that time to be a first-round pick. Um, I was slotted to be a third or fourth-round pick uh, during, you know, the 93-94 draft. And if I was going to have an opportunity to play in the NBA and put my time in to give myself an opportunity to be in the first round in the NBA, then it just didn't make sense for me to be drafted in the third or fourth round in football and then possibly get drafted in the first round in basketball and that would have kind of, you know, not been, it would kind of give, give me a choice. But my prayer through the whole thing was, God, please close the door and open the door. And he closed the door by not even giving me an, a job opportunity in the NFL. And so I knew that that was my key to be able to move on and prepare for the NBA draft. I think the amazing thing about that story is, is you were so young, you know, 22, 23 years old, and you had options of which professional career you wanted to, to partake in, right? Um, one of the things that skeptics did say, to your point, is that your style of play may not translate into an NFL quarterback. You see the same thing nowadays with Lamar Jackson with the Baltimore Ravens when Russell, uh, Russell Wilson came out uh, a few years ago with the Seahawks. Why is there still a stigma with athletic, shorter, black quarterbacks some 25-plus years later in the NFL? Um, well, I don't know. I think they're they're starting to – those guys are starting to uh, give more opportunities for the guys that come behind them. And um, I know for myself, um, you know, they, they just weren't going to take a guy like me in the first round. Um, and so – uh, that wasn't happening. So today they're actually doing that. So that's a great blessing. Uh, that's about 25 years later. Uh, but I do believe those uh, guys that you mentioned, Lamar and Russell, um, and even Kyle Murray, um, who had a great first week, you know, last week, um, you know, those guys are starting to change position a little bit, uh, which, you know, most defensive players do not like quarterbacks that can move, uh, that are mobile. Um, that are lucid. Um, I'm sure Takil can tell you that. Hate it. Hate it. Have to account for them all the time, um, and so that just that help, helps out the offense. And then if he can pass, it's like a double threat. Um, and so that's the thing that Lamar Jackson has grown into, and all the you know quarterbacks as well. They've kind of grown into that, and it's just opening up a market for those guys now who are playing in college who may be in a spread system to know that they can find, you know, they can move on to the NFL before playing the spread system. You know, it was like death, you know, like, you know, they put that stigma on you that you can't, you know, get underneath the center and take a snap and you can't do a drop and all those types of things. Uh, even though you take a drop out of the shotgun, um, I mean, a drop is a drop regardless if you take it from underneath the center or in the shotgun. In my, in my eyes. So I just think those guys are starting to open up more opportunities for uh, quarterbacks that are very similar in college now. What, um, 
at what moment? Because you talked about blessings and the blessings to be able to have that opportunity of choice. Like, at what was that moment for you to where you knew, I, this is my path as far as I'm going to go to the NBA. And hey, listen, you were very successful. First round pick, 26 overall. Like, what was that moment that really honed in for you that made you realize this is going to be my future? Um, it really, for me, right after my senior year playing basketball at Florida State, um, I sat down, you know, with the people that I needed to sit down with to find out what my draft status was uh, in, the NBA, in the NFL and also kind of what I needed to do to improve my stock in the NBA. And so I played football and had some success. And so I felt like I was to a point where I can continue to improve in that area. But the thing that I was needing the most was my basketball skill development. So I really, after basketball season, put a lot of time in to prepare for the NBA uh, part portion of my professional career. And when pro day came around, I was in quote unquote basketball shape. So I was like 182 pounds. Uh, I was like five, 5'11 five and a quarter when I measured in. And then I went to pro day and I threw the ball, uh, you know, decent uh, for the most part and still moved around. But I just wasn't at a weight that and height that, you know, was conducive to uh, first round pick in the NFL at that time. And so I just made a, a call that I was going to put more time after basketball season into uh, preparing for the NBA draft. And I did go out and throw with some of the guys uh, during that time as well. So I was double dipping again uh, from basketball to football, but I was putting more time into basketball because I was further behind in that area. And so there was a calculated risk um, and it actually worked out in the end. Uh, but I'm grateful. I was grateful for the experience and, you know, just not being drafted in the NFL uh, was a great humbling experience. Uh, but it was also a great moment that I got to share with family because they were there for the NFL draft and I didn't get drafted. There were more people who were, were, were upset that I didn't get drafted than I was, you know, family members. Uh, yeah. But I just knew, I just knew that I was gonna, you know, I put myself in that situation, and I was gonna live with the consequences. And you did a great job. Obviously, New York native, you rocking the New York Knicks shirt. I'm loving it right now. What was it like growing? Up? Well, for me, growing up watching the Knicks in the '90s was difficult because we could never get over that hump to win a championship. But what was it like playing for the Knicks in the '90s? I was there one year with Coach Riley. The next year after they went to the finals against the Houston Rockets, uh, but it was it was great. You know, I you know this when I was at the Heisman uh, a few months before. Um, you know, I'm from Thomasville, Georgia, which is a small town. Then I went to Tallahassee, which is a bigger you know city, and but it's not New York. And when I got to New York, one of the things that we had heard about all the time was New York was this way. And I had, you know, this preconceived notion of what New York was like. And then when I got there, 
you know, the people were rude. You couldn't talk to them. People were driving crazy. Uh, the whole deal. So when I left, when I left New York to come back home from the Heisman, uh, I said, "Man, there's no way I would ever be able to live in New York." And so I always tell people, if you ever want to test God and you want to be in a certain place, just say you'll never be somewhere. And so, I, lo and behold, the next few months, I was in New York with a job playing for the Knicks. But it was a great experience. Uh, it was, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, we had some great success. But being in the community, um, the challenges that I had, some of the challenges I had was great because – you know, it made me a better person, um, Christian. And so it's just something that you always remember. Um, and I'm grateful for that experience. It's funny. Tequil says all the time that there's very few people he knows from New York, but I'm the only one that he trusts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, like you, you came up in that era to where like, you know, faith is obvi obviously big to you, but it was big to everybody else. But like I remember, like rushing to get out of the door to go home so I could see the NBA, and so you had a lot of big trials, people who you went up against. What was it like, bro? Like going up against Jordan, though. <laughs> uh, well, I never beat him, um, and don't know, feel bad. A lot of people didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I, I, I have two stories. One, um, I have a picture of uh, me blocking his shot of course you know to me i blocked his shot maybe someone else I, it was a foul um at the rim you know i challenged at the rim believe it or not yes six one five eleven whatever it is six 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 eight whatever he was and i challenged that the rim um so that was um that was one story and then the next story uh was I got dunked on by Jordan. And so how many people can say that and be proud of it? You know, I, I go around and tell people I'm proud of getting dunked on by Jordan. And I'm glad that my team found me blocking this shot. So now I have two great stories. One is a positive and one is a negative. But either or, you're talking about one of the best, one of the greatest uh, basketball players to ever play the game. And you got an opportunity to compete against him. Um, and you got an opportunity to block his shot one time. And then you got an opportunity to get dunked on because you tried to block his shot again, and he remembered it. <laughs> hey, hey, that's a that's a great memory to have though with the block shot. But let me ask you this: let's let's fast forward over to your Florida State nose, and okay. we already they, they've been struggling, bro. Like we can't even hide it. Like I think college football college football is better when Florida State is relevant. So. Give us the inside scoop, what you see. Why is it that you guys are struggling? You're not even getting, like, the top players anymore like you used to. Uh, well, we're getting, we're, getting the, we're getting the type of players that we need uh, to be successful. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very similar to – I always talk about the organization. And, and this is in an organization, business, sports, it really doesn't matter. Right. Uh, when you've had um, stability at the top, meaning you've had the president, the AD, and the head coach all aligned, and for us, we had Coach Bowden for 
30 plus years. Um, and so he was the only voice, you know, he got people got accustomed to him. The players enjoyed playing for him. We came to school to play for Coach Bowden in Florida State. Um, and then we made the change to Coach Jimbo Fisher. Um, he had a good run uh, while he was here. And then at the end, he decided he wanted to go to the SEC. And then that kind of started the downfall um, the last couple of years where Jimbo was trying to find his way, trying to see if, you know, the SEC kept flirting with the SEC. And that's when we started to lose a little focus. And after that, you started to have, uh, you had Jimbo, then you had um, Coach Taggart come in. Um, and now we have, of course, Mike Norville. All of these hires, as far as the last, you know, three or four years, we've had two coaches in the last you know, three years, four years, three years. And so that is just the recipe for not having stability or success because we just won the national championship, of course, against Auburn um, in 2013. You got to remind me, right? You get, you got to hit me with the jab. (laughs) Since you were just asking about Florida state. So, you know, it's just been seven years. Coach Norville um, is here with us now and he has stability from the top, from the president, the AD, and now he's working to try to get the, the the boosters and everyone else on board. And I just think it's something that we've had to go through uh, to be able to get us to where we need to get to. All right, Charlie, man, you talked about your faith, how it's guided you throughout your career and throughout your life. Talk about cause and what that means to you. Uh, well, cause was definitely a special um, time in our lives. Um, it stands for Christian Athletes United for Spiritual Empowerment. And it was started by Reggie White and some of the football uh, NFL guys. And we were brought into the fold um, as the NBA group. And I brought Allen Houston um, and some of the other NBA guys that Lafonso Ellis um, and his family and uh, Monty Williams and his family. And so we kind of brought some of the NBA guys over to join Chris um, Calls. Uh, but Reggie White was a uh, very instrumental uh, in my life as an NBA player because he allowed me to, uh, he helped me to start our Bible study. Um, I was struggling spiritually uh, on the road, um, you know, watching things that I shouldn't have been watching, inappropriate, inappropriate things. And he helped me to start a Bible study on the road, um, just encouraging me to get a, you know, a guide, study guide for, for the group. And that encouragement helped us to become uh to help us grow in our in our walk with the lord and so it was definitely a great um group to be around because we all had the same uh similar issues uh whether it's with family whether it's you know walking our faith out and just to be able to have someone in the same uh line of work it definitely helps when you're trying to live a life for Christ. Well, C. Ward, man, we we appreciate the time, my brother. You coming on, man, and uh, you definitely leaving an example, not only for myself, even from two being from New York, but all of the other kids, man. I know it has to be somewhat gratifying to see a Russell Wilson, a Lamar Jackson, a Cam Newton. Back in the day when you came out, they didn't want to give us a chance or an opportunity because we didn't fit the build, supposedly. 
But now you see these quarterbacks now or the new face of the league. So we appreciate your innovation from back in the 90s and um, and your faith. And, uh, man, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for copping on, bro. Well, I appreciate y'all having me behind the mask. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Behind the Mask podcast with my New York Knicks former point guard, Charlie Ward. Make sure you follow us on social media at the BTM podcast. Subscribe to the Behind the Mask podcast everywhere you get your podcast content, as well as on YouTube. Also, submit your questions for future guests. And remember, on the Behind the Mask podcast, there's only one rule. There are no rules. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.